Good evening to you and yours. Welcome to the Law Focus right here on Rose Music Radio 89.7 FM. It is yet another hour of thought-provoking and insightful radios. Do stay tuned. Thank you so much for tuning in. We started the show um, with the sounds of Ivan Chakalaka and Sakemo Kana Uchema. And, you know, that was the music that was welcoming you to the show. Thank you to DJ RS, who was with you between 3 and 6 today. Be sure to catch him again with a drive-by tomorrow from 3 p.m. This is the Law Focus, the show that brings the law to you and hands you your right. We do this every Monday between 6 and 7 p.m. where we actually go in-depth into a legal topic in a legal discussion with the help of interesting case studies and insightful guests. And today is no exception. My name is Shantikosa and I'll be your host until 7 o'clock. Welcome to the Law Focus. Yo, what up, what up, good people? Good people. This is 047 and you're listening to Rose Music Radio live in 9.7 FM. You know what it is. That is right. You are listening to Rose Music Radio live from Steve Biko Building at Rhodes University. Um, Last week on the show, we actually had a discussion with Mr. Ngedo Gilindoda, where we spoke about, you know, we spoke in depth about the rights of citizens and, you know, residents during lockdown and whose responsibility is it to make sure that you're actually up to date with the regulations and what is the role of, you know, the government, the police in the implementation of um, those regulations during lockdown and what are also your responsibilities as um, a citizen in the country? What do you need to do? What is expected of of you and you know today we are going to have another um, interesting discussion if I can put it that way but um, it's also a very thought-provoking discussion which I'll introduce a bit later on but we will start off with our discussion after I introduce it and we are going to be talking about gender-based violence and the law um, I'll introduce this discussion further in just a few seconds after that we are going through to our legal hotspots which are just basically your legal news and commentary making headlines in the legal fraternity and you know of course this conversation wouldn't be complete with Without your input on the discussion that we're having today. So do reach us on our social media platforms. We're available on Instagram, Twitter, um, and Facebook. Um, Twitter, RMR897. Facebook, RMR89.7 FM. Instagram, RMR897. You can also reach out to me on our WhatsApp line, 66 410 And to make sure that you're actually part of the discussion today, I want to find out from you what else do you think we can do as a country to fight gender-based violence in our communities? What else have we not done to, you know, address this prevailing issue of gender-based violence in our communities? Um, and I'm interested also in knowing, which is the second part of the question, to find out then that what are our laws failing us in this regard? What... Um, is the law lacking in addressing this issue? So I am interested in having that discussion with you. I want to find out from you what is it that we can do because it seems we've tried everything. You know, there are campaigns, there are petitions, um, there are marches, people are going on the streets. You know, um, there are a lot of projects that are fighting gender-based violence, but that still seems not to be enough because then every second day we have to be having such discussions. So I'd like to find that out from you. Remember, you can reach me on my WhatsApp line, 66 
010-4390. You can text me or send me a voice note. Um, a voice note. Yes, you can reach me on WhatsApp in that way. Our time has just gone eight minutes past the hour, six o'clock. I'll be back to introduce our main discussion for the day after this. Broadcasting live 24 hours a day, 89.7 FM. 89.7 FM, that's where, you know, you are reaching us from. We are also streaming worldwide on www.roadsmusicradio89.7 FM. And like I've already introduced, we're talking about gender-based violence and the law. You know, today actually marks a year after... Um, I went to the post office to fetch a parcel and that's where she met her untimely death due to gender-based violence and just a week ago um, we're seeing hashtags on social media hashtag justice for Zozo um, who was also you know killed brutally by a, a person she was in a relationship with so it seems um, I don't know for me personally, it seems this is a conversation where sometime around this month, every year, um, we do have to have these gruesome discoveries or this breaking news that we have that have to take us back to the discussion of gender-based violence. And I think, you know, to actually help us unpack this discussion further, to help us understand exactly where do we draw the line with gender-based violence and the law, what, where does the law now intervene when it comes to gender-based violence, how do we outline that, we are going to be joining by someone who actually has um, very vast knowledge in law. Um, his name is Mr. Bunono Mohotu, and he's actually a practicing attorney at Mohotu Attorneys. And I think when I understand it properly, he is actually the director of um, the law firm. And he completed his LLB from UNISA and is actually directing his own firm now. So that's the person who's going to be helping us understand exactly, you know, um, the whole conversation between gender-based violence and the law and how the law actually can now kick in to assist um, victims of gender-based violence. Good evening, Mr. Mukhotu, and welcome to Rose Music Radio. Good evening. Good evening, and welcome to you too, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well, and thanks for having me on your show. Thank you so much. I think, um, you know, just to start off this conversation that we are having today, um, what is gender-based violence? Yeah. Firstly, uh, Shanti, just to touch on the, mm-hmm. on the gender-based violence itself. Gender-based violence is a general term used to include not only violence against your normal biological sex, male or female, okay. inclusive of other genders in the LGBT and other sexual minority groups. Mm-hmm. This inclusivity, the acts or laws, anonymously domestic violence acts, regulations relating to harassment, protecting orders, and restraining orders, even inclusive of the Sexual Violences Act, Children's Act, which is broadly covered by Section 28 of the Constitution. Gender-based violence is actually a very broad term. So now, what forms of gender-based violence are there? I know that you, you know, you explained that um, it's not just limited to this and that. But what forms do we have of gender-based violence? Gender-based violence takes different forms. For one, one what many people are accustomed to would be that of your physical violence, which is perpetrated against women or males at other instances. At times, it can also take a form of economic abuse and also can take a form of verbal abuse. As you know, 
most people suffer from a whole lot of developers. Even now, uh, if you go to your Facebooks, your Twitter, and all these new platforms, these are some of the platforms that are used to perpetrate these forms of violence. All right, thank you. So now, uh, this now leads us to the question that what are the laws or acts of parliament that deal or address gender-based violence? You must know that at times laws are informed by what is actually happening on the ground. You see, like in, in this particular instance, the instance of rape, which is pretty much prevalent in our society at this point in time, Sexual Offences Act caters for that particular instance of gender-based violence. You also find uh, domestic violence. If you are staying, if you are in a domestic situation, if you are living with someone in the same house, you find that there is violence which is perpetrated by a husband to their wives or wives to their husbands or fathers to their children or children to their siblings. It, it takes different kinds of, of, of forms that you would uh, address it by Domestic Violence Act. And if you are staying in the same neighborhood as a person who is continuously harassing you, you would delve to your harassment order. And just to elaborate just slightly on domestic violence, if you can get a, dom- a domestic violence order against a person, it is lifetime. However, harassment order only last, lasts for five years as a time frame. Okay. You also get your Children's Act, which predominantly protects the rights of children. You know that children have a right to be protected by their parents and to be defended for and to be taken care of by, by, by their parents. So the Children's Act basically just covered, covers that particular aspect of the law. All right. Um, thank you. So now, in cases where gender-based violence, and I mean, this is going to be a bit shifted to the violence against women, um, considering the scenarios that I gave in the beginning. Um, so in cases where gender-based violence now leads to the passing of the victim, who brings the case against the perpetrator? Well, in an instance where the victim is dead. Yes, yes. His, his family or her family would report the matter to the police, or an eyewitness, or even a member of the community that is aware of the killing. So there is no hard and fast rule as to who should bring a, a case to the or should report a particular case or an incident to to the police. Whoever is an eyewitness to an incident has a duty, because even by omission, you can get arrested if you see an offence taking place and then you turn a blind eye to that particular offence. So you have a duty as a person to report an incident of, of on, or a crime when it happens, more especially when a woman's rights are being violated. So in this instance, a family member, a community member, an eyewitness, or any other person who has witnessed such an incident has a duty to report. Okay. Um, so you're saying that whoever witnesses that, then they do have a duty to report, right? Okay, so now do the people who report, um, I, I would say families of the victim, but you're saying anyone then can just report the case. Do those people have to have legal representation considering that, you know, we live in one of the most unequal societies and not everyone can avoid, uh, can afford rather the best lawyers? Okay, 
in an ideal situation, families of the victim are represented by the state prosecutor. However, it is not unusual for families of the deceased to bring in someone who is a lawyer or a legal advisor to have a watching brief and also just help them understand the process and the proceedings in court. Families of victims are normally represented by a lawyer in instances where private prosecution is followed because the state prosecutors have declined to prosecute the matter. For instance, if you you see the the organization Afriforum with uh, the farm killings recently, they mm-hmm. have themselves that if these farm killings are not properly investigated, they will conduct their own investigation and prosecute the matters themselves. So even in the instance where you have financial uh, well-being, then you are in a position then to hire your own private prosecutor and then institute prison. But in an ideal situation, the state prosecutor would be, would be the one who would uh, move the, 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 the case on your behalf. All right. It has just gone 18 minutes past the 18th hour, 18 minutes past 6 o'clock, and we are continuing our conversation on gender-based violence and the law. And Mr. Mohoto, I just want to know now what happens in cases where the only witness to a case is the perpetrator and then they refuse to make a confession. So something happens between two people which ends up in the other person losing a life and only the two people were, you know, were present. So what happens in such cases? Okay. Uh, just to give clarity on that particular instance, mm-hmm. there is no law that compels a person to make a confession to a crime. Ordinarily, if a person does not make a confession, they are still going to be in court where they will be given an opportunity to enter into a plea. They can either plead guilty or not guilty to an offense. And furthermore, I just want to also highlight the fact that there is a huge difference between a confession and an admission. At times you find that a person admits to an offense, but admitting to an offense does not necessarily mean you admit to all the elements of the offense. And then you can admit, but then raise a defense that you did this because X, Y, Z. But in an instance of a confession, it's when you give a blow by blow of what really transpired, how the offense took place, how it was planned, and how the gruesome killing was carried out. Mm -hmm. But in any event, there's no law in our country that compels a person to make a confession. Okay. Now, whenever there is an uproar around issues of gender-based violence and generally any cases in violation of human rights, one form of fighting against such violations of human rights is the signing of petitions. Um, I think that is covered by Section 56 um, of the Constitution and Section 69 of the Constitution. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But people then tend to sign petitions, you know, to fight the cause. So now what are the basic requirements for a valid petition in order for it to be considered by the National Assembly or the National Council of Provinces? All right. Uh, Just going to give you a, a brief definition of what a petition is. A, a petition basically is a, a request to do something. E.g., you request, a, you gather signatures from interested parties, 
And those particular inter-parties must have a common goal as to why they are petitioning. And the petition itself must have a preamble, which is short, and it must have a representative, it must be representative in nature. One, the petition might read, for instance, we, the undersigned, and then the petition must make uh, must make logic and must have sound arguments to it. You cannot really have a, a, you cannot really petition when, for instance, you're saying we are petitioning for gender-based violence, whereas part part of the group in that particular petition are anti or they are not really singing the same tune as you fighting for the rights of mm-hmm. of, 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 of women and children. So, so a petition, you must speak with one voice, and the argument must be sound and logical. Okay. And now there is a, a comment from a listener um, who's just thanking me for bringing the, the, the question, because now they they say they already, they've always wanted to know, Vela, if these petitions that we sign are helpful. And I think to ask that further is to say, do they have um, legal standing in court? Can these petitions be used in court? Yeah, it's a bit complex. You must remember when you make laws, some of the laws are motivated or are informed by such petitions. For instance, when you petition Parliament, Parliament is a, is a petitioning Parliament is governed by the section that you've studied, just indicated, Section 56D of the of 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 the Constitution, and uh, read together with the rules of the National Council of Provinces. This allows for representatives to receive representation via a petition and to make those submissions from in, from the interested parties or organizations. Remember, uh, petitions and submissions are a form in which the public exercises their right to participate in parliament, and it is also allowed by the constitution. And this is a form in which the ordinary members of, of, of our community or society voice their concerns and grievances. We must know when you submit this particular petition, a member of parliament would probably come out and maybe two members would come and then they would collect this particular petition and it will be tabled in parliament and it will be up for discussion. So petitions must be legal in nature. You can't make a petition for government to chase men out of South Africa. (laughs) <laughs> so there are legal requirements to be met. There are legal requirements to be met. Hence, the petition must be legal in nature. Okay. So now just to, not to really divert from the discussion, but in cases where the perpetrator is known to the community, um, at times the community might want to resolve um, by taking the law into their own hands due to the lack of faith in the South African justice system. And that's a discussion that, you know, we see um, on social media all the time, even when discussions that people have on the streets and whatever, that people don't have faith in the justice system. That's that's known. So I'd like to find out from you, is mob justice a form of justice and what are the disadvantages of taking the law into your own hands. Um, and I think I'm asking this from an angle of then what implications would it have on the legal processes taking place? Mob justice is nothing but self-help. 
This usually resorted to when people have no or nowhere to turn to or have experienced or have experienced lack of interest on the part of the police, the judiciary and the prosecution. The disadvantages are that people can be wrongly accused of crimes they never committed, be killed or burned alive. In some cases, as we have seen it happening, and this can only lead to lawlessness and anarchy. So whatever we do, we must always confine it to, to the law. Because there is always an avenue, and the law is a proper avenue to be used to address such issues. Okay, thank you. Um, so what kind of legal recourse is available to victims of gender-based violence? The legal recourse which is available in addition to the prosecution of the perpetrator, the victims can obtain protection orders if they live in the same house with the perpetrator or get a harassment order or a restraint order or even be moved to a place of safety depending on the circumstances or the outcome of, of the process. Subsequent to that, the victims may also claim delictually from the bodily harm they have suffered in abusive marriages. And in instances of the abusive marriages, if you are perhaps married, you can also seek, a, you can apply for a divorce or you can file for a divorce for that matter from your from your abusive husband. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, going back to, you know, people wanting to take action in the form of petitions or sometimes um, which might not be in line with the law, mob justice, you know, people also organize marches as a form of protest and taking action against gender-based violence. Um, so how can members of the public and those organizing these matches and also those participating in the matches ensure that they do that in the confines or within the confines of the law, especially now considering that we have some lockdown regulations in place? Yeah, there are, there are regulations, you know. And then the, the regulation that governs this gathering is called the, the gathering act. Matches must be done with the permission from the relevant authorities in the area where it is to be held, e.g. a magistrate or a commission of the police would uh, commission such a match. The match itself must be peaceful. They must be designated to people who will ensure that order and peace are maintained. This must be time timeline set the duration and the area in which such matches will be taking place so in a sense the the acts which actually regulate the matches you cannot just willy-nilly decide overnight that tomorrow you're going to start marching and then you embark on a particular on a particular match it does not happen that way and again, there's a, there's a colloquial term which is used in the neighborhood. They say, when people march, they say it's a strike. There's a vast difference. A strike is you embark on a strike when you're employed. And then when you march, it's called a protest. You are protesting. You're oh. not yeah, so there's actually a, a vast difference between the two. So people tend to confuse a protest and a strike. Out here, people use the, the word strike as though they, they are embarking on a, on a, on an employment embargo of some sort. Mm-mm. Okay. We have seen an outrage on social media platforms 
where many people say gender-based violence perpetrators are the ones who get more protection from the law than the survivors. What is your take on that and how can this narrative be shifted? And I think now I'm just asking for, for your own personal opinion as a brother in the law. The, the, the equality before the law, we are all equal before the law. You know? So there is, when you, you must remember when you go to court, when you are arrested and you appear, you make your first appearance in court, you must remember that you are innocent up until you are found guilty in court. So in a sense, we are all equal before the law. And the presumption of innocence must always kick in because you cannot have a situation where you go to court and you still uh, you are painted guilty before you even plead guilty to the offence. The call, the law, and the call, the law must take its course basically. So we cannot be said to to be guilty before you've been pronounced guilty by the court. And isolated incidences should not be allowed to give rise to. To, to the normal course of events, you know, because those are some isolated isolated incidences where you'd find a guilty person walking free. It does not always happen. If you are arraigned in court and you plead guilty, and then the case will proceed, you'll lay your evidence, then you will report whatever evidence which is there, and then you must remember that a judge or a magistrate is a neutral person who only who listens to all the facts and then pronounces on the guilt or not guilty of the person. And then if you're found guilty, then you face the full might of the law. Mm -hmm. It has just gone 30 minutes past the hour, 6 o'clock, and, you know, we are still continuing our conversation on gender-based violence and the law, and we are actually having a very insightful conversation, you know, just also so that we know... Um, to what extent we can rely on the law when it comes to issues of gender-based violence, especially because those issues are often referred to as domestic issues. And I actually have a question, but we will go to it just after this. So do keep it locked right here on Roads Music Radio, and I'll be back after this. Hey, what's up? Yo, this is 50 Cent. Hey, it's David Gillard. What's good? This is Nicki Minaj. What's up? You turn in once, I break it down, and twice you hear the sounds. Rose Music Radio, number one lifestyle youth station. Holla! Now. Gramstown's youth station. Welcome back to the Law Focus. This is the Law Focus at Rose Music Radio 89.7 FM. And I am coming to you live from Steve Biko Building at Rose University. Remember to be part of the conversation. You can reach us on our social media platforms on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter, RMR897. RMR 89.7 FM for Facebook, RMR 897 on Instagram. You can also reach out to me on um, our social media, um, our WhatsApp line rather, 066-410-4390. It's just gone 28 minutes before the hour 6 o'clock. And we are still continuing our conversation on a gender-based violence and the law with Mr. Bunolo Mokhotu, he, who is a practicing attorney at Mokhotu Attenes. And um, welcome back. Are you still with us? 
before we went for the break, um, I, I spoke about something, you know, about people reporting cases with the police and being told it's a domestic matter, you need to go fix this, go speak to your partner. There has been cases where victims report gender-based violence cases to the police only for them to be told to go back and fix those issues um, with violators because it's a domestic matter. Um, can families of victims pursue legal action against the police if it is found that a victim had went to the police to report a case but didn't get any assistance? Yes, they, they can sue the Minister of Police who will be vicariously held for actions of the police as they work under the author, his authority and governed by the, and governed by the Police Act. And there is actually a case, a leading case, it's called uh, Kama, Kama Chil versus Minister of, of Police, where the okay. police permitted to act when an incident happened and she reported and it was not attended to. And she sued successfully. Mm, so the case was successful. Now, from a legal perspective, do you think more is done by our law officials and government to raise awareness um, regarding gender-based violence? The, the, the answer is, is going to be twofold. Not yet. I don't believe that enough is done. Based on another thing to be done is to properly define what gender-based violence is because male people may also suffer the same fate as female people. And again, there is still a, a stigma that when a male is being abused by a female, it is not really taken seriously, and it cannot be considered to be a reportable case, because when, there, there, for instance, there are two guys who were killed by their girlfriends at Forte, if I'm not mistaken, I stand to be corrected, it's Forte University, and not much was heard or not much was said about such incidences. And not to say the plight of women should not be addressed or should not be taken seriously, but there should be equality because the law is all about equality. And even the minority should be protected because the, the law stands for the minority. If maybe you are standing alone and you do not have a voice, the law will have a voice for you. So in this instance, the law must protect everybody and should not single-handedly look at the plight of women or the plight of children. Should also look at the plight of all those who are stakeholders or members of our community or society in general. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, just heading towards the end of our conversation, what um, advice would you give to a young person who is currently being abused and they're scared of talking about their situation or have just lost confidence in the legal system? Talking with therapy. therapy. So, first thing that a young person who is faced with such a such an issue must know that they are not in isolation. They are not alone. They must talk to anyone. From instance, if you are still a learner, talk to your teacher. If you are a member of the community, you can go talk to a pastor. If you are employed, you can talk to an employer. You are never alone in any situation. And of importance, the issues of violence must be reported to the police. And right. they must break the silence.
So that's the most important thing. You break the silence by talking. The important part is breaking the silence, and I do hope you know someone is listening out there, and they will gain courage to actually pursue the case and just to report it, because um, I think it's also important in you know just breaking the cycle. You break the silence, you break the cycle so that the perpetrator doesn't just live freely and, you know, endanger other people's lives. Thank you so much. Do you have any closing remarks? Any closing remarks? I would just like to say people must just break the silence and law is a tool that should be used and that is available for everyone who wants to uh, gain access to justice. So law is for all. That's my closing remarks. All right. Thank you, Mr. Um, If people would like to, you know, get hold of you, you know, just, you know, to have some legal chats, how can they do that? Well, I can be contacted at, my numbers can be freely dished out, it's 074-841-7647. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for joining us this evening and do have a lovely evening further. Thank you. That was Mr. Bunolo Mohotu, who is the director of Mohotu Firms. And, you know, he was just chatting to us about gender-based violence and the law and, you know, just um, taking us how far the law can go in um, tackling issues of gender-based violence. It's just gone 22 minutes past the hour, before the hour 7 o'clock. I was just hoping, you know, it's just 22 minutes past 6 because then that would mean we have a bit of time to continue this conversation but remember you can reach us on our social media platforms at rmr897 on instagram rmr89.7 fm on facebook at rmr897 on twitter you can also send me text messages and voice notes on 066-410-4390 i'll be back with your legal hotspots just after this Broadcasting live 24 hours a day, 89.7 FM. Road Music Radio, the only station that makes you keep your hands up in the air. Gramstones, youth station. Gramstones, youth station. Gramstones, youth station. Gramstones, youth station.